Welcome to our Curious Travels, a tourist guide to dark travel destinations around the globe. Join us as we explore dark history and sites related to death and destruction. We hope we can get to know one another along the way. Our names are Fred and Stephen, and we're from San Antonio, Texas. We're a couple who enjoy traveling the world, curious of the dark and often seldom told stories of history. Today, we're visiting three haunted homes across America. We're visiting Winchester Mystery House, Lizzie Borden House, and Victoria's Black Swan Inn. Our journey into dark tourism began with the paranormal. Paranormal tourism, the act of visiting allegedly haunted places, is what brought us to a broader interest toward dark tourism. We were inspired by the Netflix series Dark Tourist, and of course the original Unsolved Mysteries growing up. We both found a fascination with places associated with death and destruction. These places tell a story. If we're curious enough, we can learn from these stories. Let's explore paranormal tourism together. In this episode, we'll be visiting with a good friend that owns a well-noted haunted home in San Antonio, Texas. Her name is Joanne Rivera. Her home is Victoria's Black Swan Inn. First, let's talk about how haunts and haunted attractions became a common interest. The roots of the haunted tourism industry go back to the Victorian era. During this time, theaters held public seances and stories of ghosts were increasing in popularity. The Victorian era was stalked by death, from the spread of infectious disease to the horrors of the American Civil War. Many people at the time found comfort in spiritualism. The practice of spiritualism suggested the deceased may still be present in some form. This opened up society to looking for life beyond the grave post-Civil War. Lisa Morton, author of Trick or Treat, A History of Halloween, explains that Halloween-themed haunted houses first emerged during the Great Depression, as American parents thought up ways to distract young tricksters whose holiday pranks had escalated to costly property damage, vandalism, and harassment of strangers. Post-Civil War haunted house attractions would soon make their way to carnivals and boardwalks and eventually theme parks such as Disney's Haunted Mansion. The Winchester Mystery House opened June 30, 1923. This attraction boasted a real-life haunting and what was marketed as a sensational story of a grieving widow trying to defy death itself. The attraction gained fame and popularity over the years. Today, it's a fine example of one of the first homes with alleged paranormal activity that was marketed to the public as a paid attraction. I remember hearing the stories of the famed house and of Sarah Winchester from my grandfather who had visited the attraction. Visiting it for myself was more than exciting. You should definitely visit this place for yourself. But first, let's talk a little bit about the home and its history. The mastermind behind the odd, massive Queen Anne revival with more than 160 rooms was Sarah Winchester, the widow of rifle maker William Winchester. Sarah was private and eccentric. She built onto her California home on and off for more than 30 years. Legend has it that she did it to appease or confuse the ghosts of people killed by Winchester rifles. It was rumored that if she stopped building, she would die. The truth is that much of the legends around Sarah Winchester are just that, legends. Sarah was a private woman who lived alone, with a vast fortune. 
She rarely made public appearances. Naturally, rumors would abound. Sarah inherited $20 million after her husband died in 1881, and not long afterward moved from New Haven, Connecticut to an eight-room farmhouse in Santa Clara Valley. Sarah didn't hesitate to make unorthodox building decisions, a stairway ascending to a wall, a closet about an inch deep, a door to nowhere that opens to empty space. After she died in 1922, the businessman John Brown rented the house. He used the home as a tourist attraction and later purchased it outright. It has been a treasured piece of Americana since. More than 12 million visitors have been led through the tours of the home. Other than household staff, few saw the home's interior during Sarah's lifetime. For the most part, it was said that no one was permitted to photograph her. We read a story about Teddy Roosevelt making an appearance in San Jose and wanting an audience with Sarah Winchester. He supposedly knocked on the front door and was not let in. Her eccentricity and the scandal of a woman living alone at the time have amplified how the house's history has been told over the years. The house offers tours throughout the day. Tours are a little over an hour long. The gardens are stunning and worth a stroll. It's a good idea to plan a few hours to truly enjoy this location. I enjoy the tour, the history, and the details of the home, and especially the story of Sarah Winchester. The home even offers a walk with spirits tour that shares the art of seance with guests. When I visited, I was stunned by the home. You could feel that the space was unique, special, even haunting, but not in a scary way. I must admit, I'm skeptical of how the haunts are portrayed. But after the home had closed for the evening, I spent a little time wandering the grounds. Right outside of the home, I could clearly hear organ music coming from the house, even though the organ had been removed during our visit to be serviced. I'm not sure to this day what the phantom music was, but I'll never forget it. You can visit the Winchester Mystery House yourself at 525 South Winchester Boulevard, San Jose, California. The Lizzie Borden House is another fine example of haunted tourism. The Borden House is situated in Fall River, Massachusetts. The home was built in 1845 and purchased by Andrew Borden in 1872. It was the site of a double axe murder where Andrew Borden and his second wife, Abby Borden, were violently axed down in their home. Andrew Borden's daughter, Lizzie Borden, was tried and acquitted of the August 4, 1892 murders but it was long believed that she had something to do with the deaths. The murder has never been officially solved. It's been the topic of much debate with movies, nursery rhymes, musicals, comics, and books all being written on the subject. The house had been a private residence until it opened up to the public as a bed and breakfast and museum in 1996 under the ownership of Martha McGinn, who inherited the house. Martha's grandparents purchased the house on August 4, 1948, the house is now owned by Lance Zoll, president of U.S. Ghost Adventures. Zoll closed on the sale of the dwelling in May 2021. The home today offers accommodation seven days a week, six rooms including two suites with two beds each. 
Each bedroom is maintained in the late Victorian style. Tours are 90 minutes, offered daily throughout the day. They also offer interactive and hands-on ghost hunts on the first floor and basement. We had a blast when we visited. We visited a little over six years ago to celebrate our honeymoon. This was a perfect morning for us. We made an hour and a half drive from Salem to Fall River, picked up a coffee and waited for our tour to begin. While we waited, we got to shop for bloody axes, coffee mugs with Lizzie Borden's face, and even postcards of the crime scene. The tour was detailed and fun. We learned a lot. We toured room by room, reaccounting the chilling crime scene. We highly recommend this stop. As a kid, I first learned about the house from Unsolved Mysteries and couldn't have been happier to tour the home for myself. The historic Lizzie Borden house is located at 232nd Street in Eastern Massachusetts. Our next haunted home is Victoria's Black Swan Inn. Victoria's Black Swan Inn is situated alongside the banks of the Salado Creek in San Antonio, Texas. It's been featured on Ghost Adventures, Portals to Hell, and more. We give tours of this haunted space throughout the year. Next, Fred will be interviewing our friend, the owner of Victoria's Black Swan Inn. We are at Victoria's Black Swan Inn, and this is the first time that we have ever recorded on location. And today I have with us Joanne Rivera. Um, she is the owner of Victoria's Black Swan Inn in San Antonio. Hi, guys. How are you all doing? <laughs> well, we are so excited to be here at Victoria's Black Swan Inn. We are in their main ballroom, and we are sitting around a table. It is a beautiful day, and we're excited to ask each other some questions. Um, so, you know, our, our podcast is all about dark tourism and all about, um, you know, talking about visiting places that are spooky and places that death and destruction have occurred. Um, so that's exactly why we wanted to talk to you. And this episode will be featuring haunted homes. And so we wanted to get a little more perspective on that. Um, can you tell us a little bit about um, being here, about this being your home for so many years now? Um, well, I've been here for about 30 years, a little bit over 30, um, but the property itself is unique in the fact that it is a historic site. It's considered to be one of the most historic sites in San Antonio, Texas. It's where the Battle of Salado was fought, September 18th, 1842. It was the last invasion or major invasion um, by Mexico into Texas as they wanted to reclaim um, the territories of the state. The property has been known as um, a part of the Salado Highway. It is one of the last prehistoric archaeological dig sites. We found artifacts that have been dated between 1000 and 3000 BC. Um, it was a cotton and dairy farm, dairy route going all the way to the Pearl Brewery during Prohibition. Um, probably one of the most infamous residents was Park Street and his wife Jolene. Park was a very prominent um, and powerful attorney back in the day, and he and his best friend, Mr. Earl Stanley Gardner, created what was known as the Court of Last Resort for people who were on death row. Um, and also the, Pay the Perry Mason series, which was a book series and a television series, was um, written by Mr. Gardner after a lot of the cases that Park Street actually worked on. That is so cool. Um, you can see why everybody why we love this property just because of the history and we we love the history and we love that you shared it with us so thank you so much you're welcome um, i always like opening yeah. up 
I love it. Uh, well, uh, let's ask a couple of questions. Uh, one of the things that I'm really interested in is, you know, I know that this has been, you know, rumored to be haunted for a long time, but when you first started operating, I know you did weddings and this kind of uh, ventures here. Was there ever a point where you felt like you might have to hide that haunted nature of the property? It wasn't so much hiding it, I guess. San Antonio... Um, being a very religious community and very superstitious, it was difficult sort of in the beginning um, talking about it. It did have a uh, kind of a negative effect on the business side of it because people were afraid to host their events here. Um, eventually, it became more of a, a commonplace to be able to talk about spiritual communication and paranormal activity. And then it became more of like, oh, it's a destination site that people wanted to come and check out. Okay, great. Um, well, you know, when you purchased the home, did, did you have anything particularly in mind that you would utilize? I know you wanted to have a business here. Was there, you know, was paranormal ever part of that equation? No, paranormal was definitely not right. a part of the equation at the time. Um, when I first got here, I mean, there were actually other people that were running the property, and I came in with my Victorian handcrafts and wedding gowns, things like that. Um, and I intended to continue running that side of my business. But as time progressed, it became obvious that the men that were here, uh, they had gone on an extended vacation. I found out the property was up for sale after I had just moved my business here. Um, and I decided, well, possibly I could purchase it. And one of the owners had said that he would finance it for me if I wanted to buy it. Um, the haunted side of it, in the beginning, I was really like, oh, that's not possible. You don't get to come around and scare people after you die. When you're dead, you're dead. And if you're a good person, people name their children after you so you can be remembered. And if you're a terrible person, you're forgotten. So that's kind of where I was on the whole haunted side of it. Okay. In the beginning. In the beginning. So um, I guess that leads me to another question. What was your first night like here as an owner of the property? Busy. Noisy. The first night... Um, well, actually, things were happening before I actually spent a night in the property. Um, I had another home that I lived in. But when I would get ready to leave, I would turn all the lights off, close the doors, make sure everything was locked up and get out to the parking lot. And all the lights would come back on and the doors would open up. And I'd have to come in a couple of times to make sure everything was closed. Um, and then eventually I found myself starting to talk to the spirits. Like, hey, if you want the door open, I'm going to leave it open, but it's not safe. Or I would be upstairs, and I would hear somebody coming up the stairs really fast, and the doors upstairs would slam open, even though I was the only one in the house. And I would have to get up and go lock the doors back, and it became kind of like a, a testy routine, I guess. Okay. That sounds a, a little bit of a challenge when you first uh, move on to a property. Did you realize that, you know, it was, uh, it was haunted to begin with? Well, I mean, honestly, the guys that were here before me, they told me the house was haunted and they told me about some of their experiences. And if you look outside the window, that's um, the big fan window in the attic, they painted it so that you couldn't see in there. They took the ladders out of the, um, the uh, attic access because they were afraid of what went on. Um, so they told me it was haunted and that I needed to be sure everything when I was here alone to lock things up as if a lock would actually make a difference to a spirit. But um, no, I mean, in the beginning, I didn't think it was real. And then as time went on, it became more and more a part of my everyday life. Do you remember the first time that you told somebody, I think this house is haunted? 
uh, it was probably my parents and they just laughed at me. They were like, you know, the house isn't haunted. And I guess my, my scariest moment was with my mother. It was probably after I'd been here for about a month. And there's a closet in the south wing that I had decided would make a great storage place. And I was inside the closet. My mom was sitting outside wrapping silverware. And I remember standing there and I got this horrible feeling that there was something hovering above me that was really ready to pounce. And I looked up and it was just this big black hole into the attic. And I got out and I was like, I'm not going back in here. And my mother was laughing at me and she's like, you know, it's just an old house. It's probably just a rodent. Um, You're just being silly. But I didn't go back in. It took me weeks before I finally decided, all right, you just need to like address this issue and get over it. And I remember putting my hand on the doorknob and jerking the door open really fast and stepping in. And then when I looked up, there was a ceiling and a light bulb and not at all what I hadn't seen the first time. Wow. That is a, that's a very interesting story. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, after all these years, I don't think I've ever heard that. So thank you. <laughs> it's a pretty um, intense moment. Yeah, yeah that is an intense moment. Um, well, I know at some point, uh, you know, people kind of learned that the property was haunted and, uh, and wanted to kind of cover it on TV. Can you tell us, uh, you know, what was that first like and who covered the property and started sharing that it was haunted? Um, I think originally it was people just having been here and experienced it, that they started talking about it. And then we caught the attention of the the show back then. It was called Sightings. Um, It was on the original, I think, the Travel Channel back then. And that was one of the first major shows that came out to investigate the property and explore um, our our paranormal um, activity. I remember when that show was released, and I was in love with that episode. I uh, I still share that episode with people today. <laughs> it's funny to look back on it now when I see myself, and I'm like, I'm wearing these Victorian dresses, and I'm like, why did they want that? I did, I. It's funny now. It's it's nice to look back and reminisce on it. But a lot of interesting things happened during that filming. Um, we had a really interesting psychic that was here, but. There was a time when they were asking me what sort of things happened, and we were sitting in the same room, and the sound guy was holding this box in his lap, and he had his back against the wall, and I'm like, well, sometimes they'll be knocking on the wall, and then at that very moment, you hear somebody rapping on the windows. The same time, the guy with the soundboard kind of lets out this shriek and throws the soundboard towards me because he said he got an electrical shock, which shouldn't have been possible, and I remember I started laughing. Whenever th- weird things are happening that I can't explain, I start to laugh. Um, mm-hmm. So that was one of the most intense moments that it was actually being recorded and it wasn't just a story. Yeah, I remember um, like the knock on the sightings and I remember being you know, pretty young and responding to it, like jumping back in like Yeah, it chair. was very loud. Yeah. It was a very clear knock. Y'all can still check that out on YouTube. Please check it out. It's such an interesting episode. Um, but with that, what was the first time that you ended up, you know, putting out a investigation, renting out the property for this? When did people start seeking out the property from your memory? Um, people were coming around and, and asking questions and trying to explore the property uh, quite a bit. But I guess the real first, like, let's open up overnight was with George Strait. Um, George Strait filmed a video here for his song, If I Know Me, and he was here all day, and they had brought in a lot of generators. They needed a lot of electrical power, Um, 
And at the end of the day, we were standing over by the South Wing entrance. And I remember George Drake going, Joanna, is this house really haunted? And when he said that, all the doors in the South Wing slammed open and the lights came on. And I started laughing and he's like, do you think I could spend the night here? And that was the beginning of, of course you can spend the night here. And once I opened the door for him, the the door was open for everybody to come and spend the night. Well, um, do you remember what year that was around? I want to say maybe around 2003. Okay. Somewhere in there. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I, I know that the, the late 90s were really interesting instrumental in the paranormal world so that seems like a very exciting time to open this up for folks it was it was fun because finally it was okay for people to talk about the things that go knock in the night you know it was okay to try to explain what you were afraid of or what you were seeing or what you had experienced as a child some of the superstition and some of the that's not real it's your imagination was starting to be chipped away at Mm. Makes sense. Well, I have another question for you. Um, you have, you know, this abandoned uh, hospital that's also pretty close <laughs> to here. It's what seventy-five miles away, somewhere around there, um, and it's also extremely haunted. We investigated ourselves. We share this with guests, and uh, we have a lot of experiences there. Uh, it's another haunted property that you own, that you're part of, um, what made you decide to, to bring that in? That it's interesting because in the paranormal world, um, evidence has always been kept by the investigators. It's always been, it's mine, it's mine, it's my photograph, it's my evidence, it's my document. And my problem with that was that if you don't share what you're collecting, then it's really just a hobby. It's never scientific. And at one point in time, I was contemplating creating a library where investigators could, in good faith, dump their their evidence so that we could create this collection of events that have happened by different people at different times so that if you experienced, say, something here and it was at one o'clock in the morning and you got a voice telling you to get, to get out, could we go back and reference that and validate that that was something that was happening over and over? So with that thought... Um, Phil was downtown and he was talking to this um, clerk in, in the court office and I think his name was Marty Collins and he happened to ask Marty if he believed in ghosts and Marty's response was like no but I own this old hospital that's supposed to be haunted and Phil was down there to register our name Spirit which was the Scientific Paranormal Research Institute of Texas um, and that's kind of how the conversation started. And so we were like, he came home and he's like, well, you want to go check it out? So we drove down there and we actually kind of went into the hospital just before dark. And all these really crazy things happened. And we decided this would make a great place for the Research Institute. And so the negotiations began and we ended up buying it. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. That's a, I, I did not even realize that history, so thank you for, for sharing that with me. Um, I, the other question that I have is, you know, in this industry, you know, you've been, you know, sharing stuff since really the 90s, I think, with folks in the paranormal. I'm sure you've met a lot of folks as you've, um, you know, experienced things. And have you met other people with haunted homes that share them like you do and, um, you know, kind of have a similar model? Um, I've met a lot of people 
that have haunted properties. Um, of course, there's the Magnolia Hotel in Seguin, um, the Lizzie Borden House. Um, there's a lot out there. Um, I've been, personally, I've researched and I've investigated a lot of different properties. Everybody has a different experience and a different basis as to why they're opening, but the paranormal activity is pretty strong in most of these publicly now opened spots. Yeah. Very interesting. So, I mean, that leads me to one other question. So since you have been offering the space, your home to people to investigate and to tour, do you think it's ever ramped up any of the experiences or the activity that you've experienced, your family experienced over the years? Um, that's, that's yes. I mean, there are certain times of the year that activity starts to build, especially around the anniversary of the Battle of Salado. Um, but a lot of times, some of the spirits that are here, I call them travelers. They don't necessarily belong on the property, but they've come in to communicate with someone that they loved or someone that they had a connection to in their, their life, in their past life. I think that this property, because of the way it's situated, acts like an old fashioned telephone switchboard. Over the years, we've, we've called out so many times to the paranormal world that now it's like the word is out. If you want to talk, if you're if you're a spirit, and you have a story, or you want to touch someone from your past, this is the place that you can do it. Everybody's listening, so it, they tune in. I you know I totally believe that. I've had my own experiences that I've shared with you before, so um, I think people really do uh, have an interest in what you're saying. Now, alongside of that, you know, you've been in this home for what over thirty years. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, and being here for so long, I know you've seen a lot of people come and enjoy the space. Why would you say that paranormal tourists, dark tourists come here? They want answers. They want to know what's happened to someone that they loved, someone that they've lost. They want to know that it's not just ashes and ashes and dust to dust, that there really is something that happens to our spirit. And if they can get an answer here, um, it's a huge it's a huge thing. This property to me is not only in the paranormal world; it's also metaphysical. You can come here and make all sorts of connections. I mean, there's been documents of people being here for over what three thousand years. Um, it was a big native encampment area. Um, there's a lot of energy. There's a lot of access to energy we have water underneath us we've got creeks on two sides of us there are radio towers railroad tracks there's a lot of emf that is produced here which gives spirit extra power to communicate so i think that draws people in itself even though some people are skeptic they're like oh it can't happen just like i was they're still questioning they still want that experience sometimes people are experiencing things and they don't even realize it like it's a spider webby brush against your cheek. Um, it's a smell of perfume or tobacco smoke. It's something that shouldn't be there in that moment, but very clearly is. And when people open up to it or become more open, they get more spirit activity. And I think that's what people are looking for. They want to make an honest and true connection. Yeah. It sounds like you have some curious travelers that come through here. We do. We have a lot of curious travelers. Well, thank you so much for, for answering our questions and spending time with us. And of course, for opening up your space to so many people for so many years. Um, we can't thank you enough. Sure. I love it. And I hope it continues. Appreciate it.
The Ohio State Reformatory has become a well-known landmark, but at one point the building was at risk for demolition. The Reformatory is a handsome Germanic Romanesque prison, famed as the filming location for the 1994 movie The Shawshank Redemption. The building is made of limestone and iron. Its walls incarcerated more than 155,000 people while in operation from 1896 until 1990. It was slated for demolition when the Shawshank producers selected it as their film set. Once the movie wrapped, the nonprofit Mansfield Reformatory Preservation Society saved it from the wrecking ball, purchasing it from the state for $1. The new caretaker soon found that the biggest draw for visitors to the massive building wasn't its architecture, but its spooky reputation. The society began offering ghost tours, ghost hunts, and private paranormal investigations. Funds from ticket sales are used to restore and maintain the structure which was placed on the National Register of Historic Places in 1983. This building was saved by the help from paranormal tourism and now welcomes 130,000 curious visitors annually. Let's ask ourselves a few questions. Do you believe in life after death? What attracts humanity to the unknown? Can fear be exciting? Would you visit a real life haunted property for yourself. Since childhood I've had strange experiences, and the first was in the home of my great-grandmother. My great-grandmother had passed away a few months before. Family had since moved into the home, and on an overnight day I woke up needing to use the bathroom. I went down the dark hall, begrudgingly afraid of the darkness. When I came out of the bathroom to head back to bed, I would see my great-grandmother standing in the hall, waving at me, motioning me to go to bed. Half awake, I nodded, and I went back to bed. It was once I got in the covers that it dawned on me. My great-grandmother had died just a few months ago. I was now wide awake, who had just waved at me. This experience, when I was just four years old, shaped me into the person I am today. It opened me up to explore the unknown. We're now coming to the end of this episode. But we have one more episode of season one coming. Our next episode is a special one. Join us next time as we celebrate the holidays with our first Christmas episode. On this episode, we will visit a few small towns in North Carolina to cover pet cemeteries, death positive burial, and the Charlie Lawson Christmas Day murder of 1929, along with the Charlie Lawson Murder Museum and burial site. Be sure to check out CuriousTwins.com for more episode, events, and tours. You can also follow us at Curious Twins Paranormal on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Even if you never get to visit the locations we share, we hope that you enjoy learning about these locations as much as we love sharing them. We look forward to the next episode of Curious Travels with Fred and Stephen. If you're curious, join us. We appreciate the company.